Blam, blam, blam. There is no depression in New Zealand. A little burst of that. It was released in 1981. It was considered the unofficial anthem of New Zealand, the anti-Muldoon song. It was also written by my next guest, Richard von Sturmer. Now, Richard is a name many New Zealanders will be familiar with. He's an artist, a poet, a playwright, filmmaker, musician, a member of The Plague, the 1970s punk band with Don McGlashan. His new book, Walking with with rocks, dreaming with rivers, my year in the Waikato is the result of his writer's residency at the University of Waikato. It's a it's a travel guide like no other, combining poetry, photos, history with the most exquisite observations of the region's small towns and their geographic features. It is being launched today, this afternoon, uh, but Richard has been kind enough to come into the studio to speak with us. Welcome to the studio, Richard, and congratulations on the book. Thank you, Anna. Uh, exciting day today. What time is it being launched? Uh, it's 2.30 in Onihanga. Uh, 83 Selwyn Street at the Onihanga Community House. Steve Bronius, um, name your listeners will probably know, will be launching it. And there'll be music by the Floral Clocks. Which we hope to play a track from yeah. a little bit later because you, uh, you write... Uh you write the music for the floral clocks, right? No, I, I write the lyrics. I'm a lyricist, so just as I wrote the lyrics to There Is No Depression in New Zealand, I've continued to write lyrics for different Kiwi musicians, and I have this partnership over the last five years with Gabriel White, who's a filmmaker and musician, and we loosely uh, go under the name The Floral Clocks. Right. Well, it's, um, I've listened to a few tracks. They're, they're fantastic, and we hope to play one a little bit later. But let's talk about your book, Walking with Rocks, Streaming with Rivers, My Year in the Waikato. Um, was it the university's idea that you do this, or, or did you come up with a project after you got the residency? No, you have to apply for the different writers' residencies. So um, my pitch, if you like, was, and this is what I really wanted to do, was to explore towns in the broad Waikato region and also geological features like the peat lakes. So that's what I presented to them, and they liked the idea. And so I was the write-in-residence for a whole year, 2020, which, of course, was the year of COVID. Yes, it was. And that uh, stymied a few plans, didn't it? Because you couldn't move at one stage. Only in April. Um, the book's got 12 chapters, and each chapter focuses on a different area of the Waikato. However, April, the April chapter was, I was back in Auckland under lockdown. So there's a little bit of Auckland in there. Mm. Well, it is a fantastic book. And um, I think tourism officers around the country should be employing you to do the same for mm. their regions. Yeah. Um, now, reading it has made me want to go out and explore the cool. mighty Waikato um, and all the little towns. Because as I mentioned in my introduction, it's it's like a, it's like a history book. It's, mm. um, there's some fantastic photos. But they're slightly different photos. I, I think the the one I remember and I love the most is it's like an empty Waikato um, bottle of beer sitting in a puddle. Oh yes, that's uh, from the first chapter. Yeah, yeah. That was um, these observations, and then of course you've got poetry. It's beautiful, and there's some amazing stories that mm. you know you drive through these wee towns and you have no idea about the history. Um, Steve Braunius wrote uh, in the forward that you make every place you go to. The one-horse towns, the no-horse towns, a bend in the river, a hidden lake, a cave. 
you make them a place of enchantment, which you do. It's uh, quite extraordinary. Um, firstly, let's let's talk about in the first chapter. You write about um, what is probably New Zealand's first commune. Yeah, first Pakiha commune is Beville. Uh, I got alluded to this by another Auckland writer, Scott Hamilton who's done also a book on the Waikato Ghost South Road. But anyway, he, he told me about Beville, and I should check it out. And it was um, started by two brothers, Ray and Dan Hansen, in 1933. And um, they formed this commune. They were vegetarians mm-hmm. in the Waikato. Yeah. <laughs> That's a contrast. Uh, uh, and they were sort of anarchists a little bit. Uh, they were definitely anti-war. Mm. And... Uh, Ray Hansen had two wives and numerous children, and the Beeville community lasted till 1973, so 40 years. Gosh. And initially, they made their income on the land by um, by making honey. They were apiarists, so hence Beeville. Beeville, right? Uh, no idea, absolutely no idea about that. And there's, there are still some buildings around, aren't there? Yeah. So I managed to track down some of the uh, original buildings of the commune. It's now, of course, it's been subdivided, and I met a really nice old farmer who showed me around. So when you go and when you went into these towns and when you come across the locals, how did you explain to them what you were doing, and and what was their reaction? Well, the operating principle for one of the operating principles for the book is just to go to a place, uh, have as a writer, have all your antennae out and just be there, be in the present moment. And people come to you and you talk or you visit something that catches your eye and you just engage with people in the community like that. Did you do the research on each of these towns before you went to them? Oh, yes. That's an important part. Right. And that's the great thing, being a writer-in-residence at a university, because I had the uh, University of Waikato's library at my disposal, and it's got a great New Zealand section. So for each place, I'd read out about it and then just go there. Right. Okay. Um, one of my most favourite parts of the book, again, it's kind of quite early, early mm. up, uh, is your visit to Topiri. And uh, mm. to anyone who's driven through Topiri, although that's a little bit difficult now on, because they've got the Waikato Expressway, mm. so you don't actually go through Topiri. But there's a cemetery yes. where Billy T. James was buried, and it was a little bit controversial mm, at the time. Can, right. can you just um, tell us about this? Well, you know, coming from Auckland, many uh, times my childhood, and you know, you always pass this beautiful cemetery at Topuri on the mountain side, and I always wanted to visit that cemetery, and so Topuri was one of my areas of interest. So I did spend some time, a uh, whole day at the cemetery, just walking around, and I came across Billy T. James's grave. And um, I worked with Billy T. James fleetingly on a documentary on Ronald Hugh Morrison, the writer. Uh, So we were in a little sort of like a drama documentary on the writer's life. And so it was great to make that connection. I stood by his grave. And the funny thing is, in the documentary, I was a grave digger. (laughs) And here am I now, (laughs) 
standing um, before Billy T. James's grave. You tell a story, though, um, which, and you said that there, there was a bit of a power around the cemetery mm. of feeling, yeah. you know, wairua, something that was going on at the time, and that you would wander around with your little red notebook, yes. making notes, and yeah. something that was quite uh, extraordinary that it happened. Yeah, that's one of the stories. Um, the day I was there, there was only one other family who were visiting a grave. So I had the cemetery to myself, and I came in through a side entrance, and I took one or two photos, and then I saw a big sign saying, you know, because it's such a tapu site, no photographs. So I stopped. I thought, okay, mm. yeah, okay, that's that's fine. And I had my notebook with me, and after about a few hours of walking around and taking notes, um, I went back towards the car, checked in my bag, and the notebook had disappeared. Mm. And so I retraced my steps numerous times uh, up up the the path to where the the, the Maori, Maori kings are buried. Mm. Backwards and forwards, I retraced my steps, looking down, being very concentrated, and I, the, the notebook had completely disappeared. And this had all all your notes in it from from, from your visits and in, yeah, it, mm. it was the beginning of my residency, but it had contact addresses. Mm. No big loss, but it sort of yeah irked me a little bit. Uh, so I went back to the Taupuri Hotel where I would tavern, where I would spend the night, and that was closed. So I went back to the cemetery one more time. Again, walked along one of the main paths I'd visited quite a few times, and there was the notebook in the middle of the path. Again, there was no one else around. Cemetery was empty. So I just felt like I was being taught a lesson yeah. as, a, as a Pākehā in this um, beautiful cemetery. My notebook was returned to me, but um, yeah, I, yeah, I acknowledge that. Yeah, uh, it was um, yeah, quite an extraordinary story. Um, there's also a... There's a <laughs> You were obviously learning so much about the mm. area because uh, you were born and uh, brought up in, in Tamaki Makoto, Auckland, yes, yep, yes, in Devonport. That's right. Yes. Uh, did, and did you go to school with Don McGlashan? Sorry, just a yes, a little I did. bit. You went to Westlake Boys. He was two years behind me, but yes. Right. Yeah. Okay. Quite a creative lot. Okay. So um, there's another part in the book which, again, it just uh, astounded me, and I'm sure some of the locals in the area know about it, but for many other New Zealanders, they weren't aware. But you went to visit the old psychiatric hospital. Yes, uh, Tokanui. And it, it's got such a fascinating history about it, and some of the old buildings are still there. Can mm. you just tell us about that visit? That was quite a moving visit. Mm. Um, the Tokunui Psychiatric Hospital, it closed down in 1998. And all the buildings, there's about 73 buildings. It was a township was supposed to be demolished after it closed down. And they were never demolished. They're still there today. Lynn's New Zealand, uh, Land Information New Zealand, owns the, owns the property now. And eventually the buildings will be um torn down. Mm. There'll be a karakia for each demolition and the land will be handed back to Nati Maniopoto, 
which is great. Uh, and I, uh, they, they haven't been torn down because there's asbestos. Is that is that correct? Oh, there's lots. There's infrastructure. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, power, water. It's a huge job. This, as I said, 70, 73 buildings on site. Yeah. There, there was uh, there was a little factory, uh, little shopping center. It was, it was a township. Mm. Anyway, it closed down, and I found out on a nearby by a nearby hill, uh, Tekawa, it's a small volcanic mountain, and there's a hill beside Tekawa, and there's a mass grave of 500 patients uh, who were buried between 1914 and 1964. So over 50 years, 500 patients were buried in a mass grave without coffins. Unbelievable. Yes, and thanks to relatives of the patients at the psychiatric hospital who were trying to find out what happened Mm. to their loved ones, these graves were discovered, and there's now a, a beautiful memorial wall of black granite with all the names, actually 475 names, so 25 are still unknown. Um, so you can visit the memorial. But before that, you know, cows were just grazing all over it. Wow. That's incredible. I, you know, I've never, I can't even, was, I can't even remember, um, you know, any publicity around that mm. at all. So can you, can you easily access that? No, site? no. The, the whole place is, the whole of the Tokunui grounds are surrounded by a high security fence. It's, you know, imagine it's had 24-hour security for decades. Mm. So, you, but because I had the residency, it opened quite a few doors. So, I was able to drive around the grounds. Land Information New Zealand allowed me to to enter the site with my cousin Deborah Proverbs, who was a young doctor who's had two spells at Tokunui Psychiatric Hospital. So, I toured the place with Deborah. And that was quite a moving experience. And then we went and visited the grave site. Mm. It must have been very interesting for her. She would have yes. had some... Um... She was very, yeah, quite very moved by it. Because in those days, uh, it was all about treatment, including electric shock. It wasn't about healing at all. Mm. So, yeah, she brought a lot back to her as a young doctor. Mm. Uh, there's also, you, when you visited the um, the town of uh, Putaruru, uh, for instance, and and you talk about um, how when farmers moved in with their cattle, the cattle kept dying, but no one, it was some mm. sort of mystery illness, which I think they called the the black ring. Yeah, the, um Yes, this was in the 1920s and 30s, and then they discovered it was a colbate, colbate deficiency, and so they they sprayed everything with colbate and fertilizer, and the cows recovered. Wow, extraordinary! What what are some? Of, have you got some highlights from your time there? A, a year spent there. What are the, some of the things that really struck out that you will always always remember? Uh, well, one of the great things uh, was the discovery, uh, the great, um, the great rock, Tokohaere, the rock that walked. Uh, it's just down from Mungotauturi Sanctuary Mountain, and it's this incredible stone tour, very powerful rock, um, 
And the legend, the Maori legend behind that is that uh, in ancient times by Lake Taupo, there was uh, a guy who was married. He was in a very bad marriage. His wife beat him up and he wanted to leave. So in the dead of night, he traveled north from Taupo to get away from <clears throat> this abuse the wife found out, and she employed a tohanga to put a curse on him. And as he was traveling north, he reached this beautiful valley. And as the sun came up, he was turned to stone. Wow. And thus he became this great stone, uh, Tokahaere. And it's so powerful. You can see it beside the road. And you just – we I was with my wife at the time. We pulled off the road and – the, the, it's the rock is in a beautiful natural amphitheater mm. surrounded by sheep. So we uh, went down to the base and paid our respects. Mm. What else? Any other highlights for you? Oh well, the um, <coughs> one of my favourites is the the small town of Kihikihi, south of Teawamutu. Um, that's the uh, the burial place of. The great chief and warrior Riwi Maniapoto. It's near the Battle of Aurakau, the last battle in the the Waikato War, and it's also home to the Te Awamutu Space Museum, <laughs> among other things. So it's it's you can you can drive through Kihikihi in a minute or less, but there's a lot going on, and it's got a great uh, statue of a cicada. Because Kihikihi in Maori is uh, cicada, and it's also got the Cicada Motel, which I spent a night in. And I wrote a little verse. Actually, Gabriel will be performing a song. We wrote a song afterwards called Cicada Motel, <clears throat> and it sort of goes, "I'm a I'm a cicada about to break out of my shell. I spend the night." At the Cicada Motel. <laughs> and the song goes on. Yeah, yeah, brilliant, brilliant. What were some of the motels and the accommodation uh, places where you stayed? What were they like? Oh, they were great. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah that's I, – I always like to, for small towns, yeah. or towns like Huntley too, I'd always spend a night or two in a motel and then just to get to know the, 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 the town better in the daytime. Mm. What about in the evenings? What ha- you know? What would happen in the evenings? Would you? Is that your time to write? Um, no, I I write on foot on hoof. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I always had my my trusty red notebook with me. Uh, I did a memorable walk uh, at um, Tekawiti, uh both in the early morning, where I encountered a, ro- a rhinoceros on the main street. How did that happen? Oh, it was it was wheeled out of um, rhino carpets. It was, of course, it was a big plastic rhinoceros. And also at night, I did a really nice walk along the main street of Teikuiti and encountered a giant witter sculpture on the main street. 
Um, I, what I love about this book, and and it is like a guide. It's like a just this in depth sort of guidebook to get to know small mm. town New Zealand. And but I love I love the photos. So there's you know some beautiful photos of of locals that you just come across, or an old dilapidated building, or mm. um, you know as I mentioned earlier the you know the the empty Waikato beer bottle sitting in a um, sitting in a in, in, a, in a creek. A, in a creek. Um, how do you choose? How do you choose what photos to take and what you know what would make it into the book? Uh, well, because I also make films, and for the last twenty years or so, I've sort of been training my eye in photography as well. So whatever catches your eye, the book is an interweaving, as you mentioned, of of um, stories, history short verse and photography. So I try and weave them together. Mm. So the, the writing supports the photographs and the photographs support the writing. Mm. Oh, they certainly do that. Um, what, is, what is next for you? Have you, because as I said earlier, I, I mean, I just think this is just, you know, to visit every region of New Zealand and, and produce mm. a book like this would be fantastic. Um, what, what next for you? Well, this is probably one-off, um, but I'm, I've also completed a, a book called Slender Volumes, which is 300 prose poems. Prose poems is a, a genre that I like working in. So there are 300 seven-line prose poems, so 300 very brief stories, hence the title Slender Volumes, and that may be coming out next year. Right. And you'll continue writing for the Floral Clocks? Yes, I'll be continue to do, to do lyrics for the Floral Clocks. Right, right. Well, we're going to play uh, a track by the Floral Clocks now. Um, it is called Venus. Tell us a little bit about that. Oh, it's, um, well, it's just like a, <clears throat> a worship song, you know, Venus, the god of love. Uh, so it's just a song about a very strong feminine power, and how we should all bow down before that power. Of course. Of course we should. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, Richard von Sturmer, thank you so much for joining us and congratulations on the book Walking with Rocks, Dreaming with Rivers, My Year in the Waikato, uh, launches this afternoon at 2.30 in Auckland. Thank you so much for coming into the studio. Thank you, Anna.